From KYW News Radio, the Delaware Valley's news authority, this is Flashpoint. What's igniting debate online and in your community? I'm KYW Community Affairs reporter Cherry Gregg, and we'll run through the big issues of the week that are getting folks hot under the collar. Coming up on this podcast, a data breach at Facebook has founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg in the hot seat. It's clear now that we didn't do enough to prevent these tools from being used for harm. Millions of users had their data compromised. Is it now time for regulation? The actual physical process of deleting your account, they make that difficult it's for you. It's another deterrent. Because data is now so valuable, bad actors are there trolling. Experts weigh in and you'll hear ways you can protect your privacy. A Christian mother of five who spends one weekend a month in strip clubs. These girls are hard workers. They're dedicated. They're loyal. Her mission is response in the lives she's impacted. Hey guys, listen up. When you're done with the show, would you do me a favor? Please provide a review and rate this podcast. And feel free to provide feedback often. We need reviews to push us to the top. Now back to the show. Thanks all. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. The focus is the data privacy scandal at Facebook. This week, founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg was in the hot seat where he faced Congress. Uh, One of my greatest regrets in running the company is that we were slow in identifying the Russian information operations. The Russian information operations referred to a Kremlin-based company that used fake Facebook accounts to create messages to manipulate voters during the 2016 election. KYW social media director Marilyn Roy on Facebook. Facebook's plans to fix it all. They're going to build better controls and new technology to prevent abuse. They're going to invest in security. There will be 20,000 people by the end of the year. They're going to strengthen their ad policies. Recently, the hashtag delete Facebook began trending as users reacted. So is it time to dump Facebook? What can you do to protect your personal information? With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Stephanie Humphrey, a tech-like expert who's the creator of Till Death Do You Tweet. Also, we have... Miss Alicia Black, an activist and professor at Kutztown University who's part of the thousands who joined the hashtag Delete Facebook movement. And finally on the phone, we have Sandra Jeske, an attorney who is a partner at Dwayne Morris with an expertise in data privacy and technology law. Everybody, ladies, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. Thanks and I want to say thank you, Dr. Black. I want to make sure I correct that. And so I want to start with you, Stephanie. How in the world could this have happened? Folks gave away their information. There was an online survey uh, similar to those other online surveys you take that might give you points or a couple dollars to provide your opinion for things. So this wasn't actually on Facebook itself, but the survey required the folks that took it to log in using Mm. their Facebook account. So when they did that, it was only about 270,000 people that took the survey. Survey, but what they didn't realize, because more than likely they didn't read the terms of service before they started taking the survey, is that by taking the survey, they were giving that company, that survey company, access to their information and the information to all of their friends. So when you sort of extrapolate 270,000 with all of their friends, that's how we get to 87 million people and their personal information. Sandra, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is taking, taking the heat. If you were his lawyer... What would be your biggest concerns concerning liability? Well, I mean, I I think what Stephanie said is right on point in terms of people actually allowed the company to have that information. So in the U.S., you know, we don't have an overarching regulation that applies to social media. So when we get on Facebook, it's our obligation 
to take a look at the privacy settings that we have designated. And if you're allowing the company to have access to your information and, and all the information on your site, then you've essentially given that away. Now, of course, it'd be a different story if somehow Facebook misrepresented itself and said, we're not going to share this information and we're not going to allow people to sell it and things, and then they actually do that. But in this situation, as I understand it, Facebook typically allows researchers to look at data for academic purposes, but not to be sold or transferred. And it was actually Cambridge Analytics and their professor who really exceeded the authorization there. From, so from a legal standpoint, I think we, everyone's going to be demanding that more action be taken. But, you know, there's really no violation of the law that I'm seeing right off the bat from Facebook itself because they're getting consent. Yeah. And this is definitely a PR issue because folks like Dr. Black over here are like, what? What was your reaction when you heard about this? First of all, all of the legalese that comes when you click yes is a deterrent. And for me, that that spells fraudulent. It doesn't take 16 pages to tell a 12 year old or a 13 year old. We're actually going to take your data and then we're going to jack all your friends. But that's how long these agreements are. Nobody reads them. The average Joe does not understand all that legalese. Is that why you decided to join the movement? Yes, because I think that people are getting duped. To me, that's fraud. Let's dig into this a little bit because she, you deleted. Did you delete? I deleted. How big of a deal, Stephanie, is it to actually delete your Facebook for people who... Like a lot of us have thousands of friends. It's a huge deal if you have sort of invested in that ecosystem and you're at your 5,000 friend limit. And I mean, I know people that have tens of thousands of photos posted on Facebook and videos and basically their entire family's memories put on the site. So it, it's a it's more than just saying I'm just going to delete Facebook because sometimes this is people's only connection to family and friends that don't live in the area or, or around the world or, you know, there are 3 billion people on Facebook. So literally people around the world use yeah. this communication tool. And then you have the business owners that use <coughs> this as advertising and this is the lifeline of their business. This is how they conduct their business. So the idea that a campaign like this, a hashtag campaign like this is going to really cripple the network is probably small. I think it's more symbolic than anything else to get Mark Zuckerberg to take notice Agreed. and make some changes. It's hard to even just go in to find where you can delete your account at. Like the actual physical process of deleting your account, they make that difficult. It's for another you. deterrent. Yeah, to, so that they so that you don't want to do it. They make it hard enough for you. So and that it you don't takes a while. Do it. it doesn't happen immediately. Because I deleted my Facebook on March nineteenth. And it fell off on April 2nd. Yeah. I'm a, that's a rub for it me. It takes a while. Yeah. To, me, a to while. me, that's fraud. If it took me five minutes to sign up, it should take me five minutes to get rid of it. And, and so, Sandra, I want you to jump in here. Are these some of the things we can regulate using laws? And should Congress take action? So right now, what we have is the FTC, who is really kind of our de facto privacy watchdog. The FTC basically requires that consumers have notice and have choice. And what Dr. Black is saying is that we don't have proper notice, sufficient so that we can really understand what we're saying and what we're doing. And in fact, the notice is supposed to be clear and conspicuous. The problem is that the law really doesn't dictate what clear and conspicuous exactly. is. And so that can mean something different to everybody. And that's where I think the, the confusion, you know, gets into and people don't understand. And particularly for Facebook, I mean, it's certainly there's a lot of different choices and things. Now, what I did read, however, was that uh, Zuckerberg has suggested that 
next month he's going to, or, or in, the, in the short term here, he's going to be um, changing some of the privacy notices so that it's more consistent with what's done in Europe. So just for background purposes in Europe, I mean, the privacy is very, very um, uh, strict in terms of personal data. Where in the U.S., you know, we have this approach where we just categorize certain information as private and beyond that, the default is everything's free. Um, and so Zuckerberg has said now that he's going to start to include this comprehensive new data protection law, which is called GDPR, that gives greater uh, requirements for how companies like Facebook deal with it and also give users um, a much more control over their information. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. With respect to new regulations, I mean, this administration is very negative with uh, putting together new regulations and, in fact, they're trying to get lesser regulations. So, to, you know, to date, we're really in a self-regulatory approach with this, with privacy and data protection. And, you know, I really don't expect that to change in the near term. This is bigger than Facebook. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, yes. we got Twitter. I mean, is this Google, Google, you Google Gmail, any, any service you use online that doesn't have an obvious means of income generation, you're the product. Right. You so understand product. YouTube is not a video hosting service. YouTube's no. an advertising service. That's right. And it just uses a video platform as a means to that end. Facebook is not a social network per se. It's a it's a repository for your information, but it's an advertising service. Like that's how they generate ninety eight percent of their revenue. So the sooner we all sort of wrap our minds around that and come to grips with the fact that our data is the product and make a decision about how much of that data we're willing to give up so that this service can remain free to use, the better we'll all be. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I think that we're not considering is the fact that this small chunk of data can lead to much larger chunks. For example, if you stay still long enough on Facebook, yeah, you're they, a geo. your whole name, my whole name address and private telephone number is sitting on white pages because of the data they got yeah. from Facebook. And Do I want know? Sandra to weigh in here. It just sounds like this is the wild, wild west going on on the internet Basically. and on social media and there needs to be some oversight here. Exactly. Really, I mean, in terms of the business that I work in, I mean, data is really the new gold, I think Currency. is probably the way to put it. Mm. And, you know, when we're talking about Facebook here and we're talking about online activities, what we haven't mentioned is the fact that we are now connecting more and more and more devices together. And you're going to start to hear in the future pretty soon about the Internet of Things, mm -hmm. which is really mm -hmm. all of your yes. devices in your home, in your yep. car, in your phones, in your computers are all going to start to be connected. So these issues actually become much, much more prevalent because the information sharing is, is continuing. Where did, where did we ever consent to allow that information, how that's being done? And the fact that because data is now so, so valuable, that bad actors and are are there trolling for this information because it's so valuable, and that creates a whole host of data security issues as well. And so, I think that these issues will continue to to be uh, gain a lot of attention. Um, there's going to be an increasing pressure, and it remains to be seen whether we're going to see Congress start to get involved in in terms of a new regulatory environment. But that's simply not where we are today. President Barack Obama during the 2012 election also mined Facebook mm -hmm. to advertise. Is this a political issue? Are people now pissed off, basically, because Trump and the Republicans likely 
uh, benefited from this data mining. It's funny. I would I would love to think that this might be the straw that makes a change happen. But the realist in me thinks that this will probably just become the way things get done from here on out. I really don't see anybody uh, with enough of a sense of urgency to try to get their arms around what it would take to regulate this type of enterprise, like a Facebook or a Twitter, until I think some of those folks in Washington have this happen to them directly. And even that may not do it. But I, I just think this may end up being the way, the normal way we do business from here on out. Yeah. Is it too big to re- I, I regulate at this point? Cultural yeah. awakening. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the past, I really don't think people fully appreciated how much personal information was available online and people were more willing to trade privacy for convenience and features of social media and things of that nature. But, you know, now we have this awakening where we're we're starting to see some of the problems with it. And I think we're going to continue to see problems with it. But I think it's really going to take a long time before, you know, there's really this movement towards changing because it's such a fundamental difference in the way the U.S. has treated personal information as opposed to other countries who keep it very, very hot, you know, tightly regulated and secure. So the beast has gotten yeah, so big. Yeah, you're not big. putting that genie back in the bottle. The right, beast is right, so big, right, it's hard to, right. to put it in a cage yeah. at this point. It's never going back That's in a right cage. Now. And so, Dr. Black, I mean, at some point, everybody's on Facebook. It pretty much is a requirement for a lot of jobs at this point to be on some social media platform. Can you take that position and stay off Facebook? Forever. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I'm 55 years old. This is not something I need in my life. This is a millennial thing and this is a business thing. All I'm saying is Facebook requires you to use credible data mm. when you sign up. So if I have to give you credible data, then you have a responsibility to protect that data. I'm talking about accountability here. That's a fair argument. And so, you know, Stephanie... How do we protect our data? Because clearly do? the law, the, you know, <laughs> say you said, the law, this is a cultural shift. Number one, shift your perspective. If you're going to use these tools, go in with the understanding that you're the product and they are going to mine your data and sell it and do whatever else they can do with it. Take the time. I know I've, I've read the terms of service for all of these things. Even if you just read a couple sentences a day and, and try to process it and figure out what they're trying to say, get through that terms of service so that you do understand what you're giving up. Any other site besides Facebook that gives you the opportunity to log in using Facebook, don't do it. Right. Do because you're do giving it. all your Be- Facebook information to that. That other site. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like <laughs> in, a, in a snap. So, you know, take the time, use a figure out another unique password, yeah. you know what I mean? And and have separate individual accounts on all of these different sites, which yeah. is also going to be very hard because people have done that. People have logged into Netflix using Facebook. People have logged into Hulu. People have logged in all of the things that they do online. They probably used Facebook for convenience. If you delete Facebook, all of those accounts go with it. So, I mean, Sandra, you think about this. Lawyers are very creative. Very. <laughs> so are, are folks cooking some some class actions out there? Could you could you see something people coming up with something creative to say, you know what, what 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 Dr. Black over here is saying, what Stephanie's over here saying, we, we got to put a leash on this beast. Even if we can't recage it, we got to leash it. I'm sure. I mean, plaintiff's lawyers are very creative and I'm sure that they'll be looking at class actions and things which would involve not providing proper privacy notices, as Dr. Black was saying, that was really clear and conspicuous. We may see the FTC start to get involved in these things. I think we're going to see more and more lawsuits 
going forward. Now, whether those lawsuits really will get any legs, I mean, of course, you can sue all you want, but unless you have damages to show, you know, what was your damages in in the financial sense, it's always pretty difficult to actually have some traction on that. So that's always a a difficult issue to overcome uh, with these kinds of lawsuits as well. To me, you know, one of the biggest risks here is is uh, data security in terms of some of these sites and the sharing of information. And it's really important that given that we're giving up all this information, that companies really protect that information. And that, you know, as we were just talking about how you can protect yourself, certainly looking at the privacy notices, understanding them. If you don't agree, unfortunately, you don't have much choice. Just don't do it. But, you know, to the extent that you have the option to make choices, you know, make informed choices to protect yourself. Yeah, don't just click it away. And don't just click it away. And don't just click <laughs> don't it click, all away. You're clicking your life away. Clicking exactly. your life clicking your and your life data away. away. So because this is Flashpoint, we have to wrap this up. But my question to each of you, in 15 seconds or less, yes or no first, can Facebook fix this? And do you think it'll get worse before it gets better? And why? Yes. As a former computer geek who did databases, they can absolutely fix this. But it's absolutely going to get so much worse before it gets better. Same. It's doable doable. for them to put a lot more protections around our data than they currently are. This is just, I think, the tip of the iceberg, this whole Cambridge Analytica thing. I think there are, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of other developers that have already exploited our data in the same way. It's going to get a whole, whole lot worse before it gets better. And last word, Sandra. I I think the panel's in agreement. Yes, they can fix this, and I'm sure they will fix this. And absolutely, with the interconnectivity of devices and the more and more data, it will get worse before it gets better. So brace yourself, people. Yes. Brace Winter yourself. is coming. Winter is coming. Yes. To Winter is here. Yes. And to Stephanie Humphrey, to Sandra Jeske, and to Alicia Black, <laughs> thank you for coming on to Flashpoint and to talking about this issue in the news. Next up, she's a Christian whose mission is strippers. Some of these girls will jump off the stage to come over and give us a hug. They'll walk away from a customer to come see us. The free services she provides and three ways it's changing lives. This is Flashpoint, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg, and strippers, ladies who dance naked on poles, undoubtedly get people hot and bothered in more ways than one. But one committed Christian, mother of five and her band of volunteers, have turned the heat into an offer of help at strip clubs in Philadelphia and in South Jersey. Kelly Master is founder of... For Dignity, an author of Shine, Uplifting Words for Girls in Stilettos. And this week, she made headlines for her outreach work. Kelly, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. So I want to just say that when I read the article about your work, I was absolutely intrigued, amazed, and wanted to get to know you better. (laughs) So thank you for allowing us to come here. First of all, tell people what you do at For Dignity. Okay. Uh, yeah, I run a nonprofit organization, and every single month we go out into strip clubs, and our goal is to help women find hope and freedom. And we do that in a variety of ways, but the number one way is we actually get out there right to where they are. And our goal is to elevate them, uh, it's to empower them, it's to uh, be a resource and a support group for women who otherwise may not have it. They've been labeled and um, 
judged and kind of thrown to the curb. And so we kind of go in there and we empower them. Tell me the process, because this is like missionary work in yes, a lot of ways. Yes, yes. Mother's Day 2012 was our first um, outreach. We have a list of strip clubs that we go to with permission and with favor in Philadelphia and New Jersey. We go to the same clubs every month and we have built and established relationships with the managers, with the DJs, with the bouncers, with the dancers. We bring in little gift bags. We'll take in makeup and jewelry and um, just little trinkets for these girls and uh, books of encouragement, uh, resources. And we just go in and we hang out with them. We sit down in a dressing room and we talk with them. We ask them how their life is going. Uh, We make ourselves available to them if they need any help. And managers call me and let me know when a girl's struggling, Uh, help them get to a detox, help them get into a rehab, help them get into a safe home, get out of violent relationships, whatever that need is they will call us and we will help them when people see women at strip clubs they automatically judge them and say one thing what do you see when you go there um i absolutely agree there's a mindset in society we glamorize the strip clubs we glamorize the sex industry what i have found is beautiful young women single mothers some are married every single young lady that i meet has been sexually abused or traumatized in her past so she already comes in with that many of them have bad relationships with their parents not all many of them have just simply been ripped off in life lied to hurt broken down so they come to these clubs to make money to feed their babies to just do what they need to do and instead they meet a lot of opposition they don't walk into a club and get paid by an owner they go in and pay the owner to dance there so they're coming in and many of these girls are single moms they have to feed their babies they have to pay the babysitters they're paying to go through school and they come in with a bill they come in and they have to pay the owner to work there that night they have to pay house fees to the djs to the house moms to work there and so these girls are hard workers they're dedicated they're loyal they're good people they just need somebody in their corner that says i believe in you somebody who says i'm not going to look at you for your body and what you can give me sexually in return but woman to woman sister to sister i'm here for you and that tears down walls because they don't get that when I hear you, like, like literally I'm getting, like, all teary-eyed because what people don't realize, I think, a lot of times is folks are hurting. Yeah. And that when you feel like that's the only thing you can do to make money, yeah. that's a hard place to be. It is a hard place to be. It really is. Mm-hmm. It really is. And then what do you do if you've worked in a club for five years and then you say, okay, I want to go get a job somewhere else? What do you do? Do you put on your resume, I've been stripping? Will somebody then take advantage of you and exploit you further? What do you do mm-hmm. at that point? And so many of these girls, what I have found is they feel stuck. If you've already been sexually abused, if you've already been explo- exploited, if you've already been traumatized, what do you learn? That this is what I am worth. My body is what I am worth that my value is summed up in my sexuality and in my body Mm. and so we come in there and we don't put them down or tear them down and nor do we require anything from them that's the beautiful part we don't want anything in return we want to elevate them we want to push them up we want to let them know i don't even see this anymore i don't see their body or their nudity i see their eyes i see their face i see their heart i see their soul and so i go in there and i let them know that if you want to be here because you want to be here 
all power to you. But if you're here, just like you just said, Sherry, because this is what you think is your only option, then let me help you. Let me elevate you. Let me give you choices so that you don't have to do this if you don't want to. You look like a sweet lady, like a nice <laughs> lady, got the nice neck piece and pretty, you know, have a nice aura about you. You go in there. These girls are in there. And, and they're looking at you probably a little side-eye at first. They don't know you. What has been the reaction and the response? There's always that initial breaking in process of who are you and what do you want from us. Yeah. But once they see we're legit, they absolutely love us. And you know why? Who doesn't crave feeling valued? They're like little girls. Many of them call me mom. Some of the girls call me their pastor of hope and their pastor of love. Some of these girls will jump off the stage to come over and give us a hug. They'll walk away from a customer to come see us because they know when we walk in, we are there to love on them, not to take anything from them. So you just pour love. We pour ourselves out in love, and it's an honor. I love these girls. So have you seen and helped women get off the pole? Yeah, but but keep in mind, like that is never my goal. I mean, if they make that decision, I, I will support them 100%. But these girls, they're smart. Like I mentioned, and they can read people. So if I go in with an ulterior motive that I'm going to love on you until I can get you off that pole and then get you into my church or something like that, they'll smell that a mile away. They're good at that. And so um, yes, I have seen girls' lives totally transformed. But that's their decision. That that's is not their you decision. pushing. I believe if I can get a girl to connect with her true value, to connect with her true worth, her true identity, that is where I get great satisfaction because in that, she will make different choices for herself because now she knows I don't have to dance naked for these guys. I can go do this, this, and this. Has there been backlash? I mean, you are Christian. (laughs) You mentioned that there's a lot of walls within Christianity. Are there people who say, girl, what in the world are you doing? This is not what it's about. Um, Sometimes you'll get those haters online, but the people I surround myself with, they encourage me, they support me, uh, they endorse our work, and uh, they keep me going. There's haters out there. I just walk away from them. I, I refuse to I refuse to hang out with people who don't get it. So tell people about yourself. You're a mom of five. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am a mother of five. I kind of grew up in a crazy, toxic, dysfunctional family. If they're listening, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of abuse, a lot of neglect, and a lot of rejection. I grew up a cheerleader, but yeah, I was addicted. Um, By high school, I was full-blown addicted and uh, almost died many times from my addiction. I was had a heavy cocaine addiction and alcohol addiction. But um, so you understand? I do. I do. I really, I really get, I really get the physical abuse, the sexual abuse, the neglect that I'm. uh, You know, for years, I never had any self-worth and never had any confidence that I, you know, I didn't even like looking in a mirror. I made really poor choices in life because of my self-worth. Once my self-worth started to grow, my choices became better and better. And that's why, like I said, I go in there not to, quote, get the girls out of there. I go in there to elevate them because once they're elevated and can see themselves differently, they will make different choices for themselves. You're kind of blowing up. (laughs) 
Did you ever think that this missionary work you were doing would be so well received? No, I didn't. But honestly, I never thought about it. I didn't I didn't allow that to dictate whether or not I moved yeah. forward. I just saw the need and moved forward with that. But I am very happy. And now you're getting support. Yes. Yes. People who want to donate, where can people find you? And they say, you know what, this could be anybody's daughter. Yeah. Our website, uh, www.4dignity1.org. So that's F O R. D-I-G-N-I-T-Y one dot org and that's the number one. How many girls do you think you touch every year? Oh my goodness. We have given out over 21,000 gift bags um, since we have begun. You know, we have given out 8,000 copies of my book Shine to women, not only in strip clubs, but that book has been getting into prisons around the country. And I'm getting phone calls from Mississippi prisons to come speak to women in prison there, women emailing me because every woman, every person wants to know they have value and they want to know somebody's in their corner. You you just can't put a price tag on hope. Thank you so much for doing such good work and I hope that more and more people hear about For Dignity and people can find her For Dignity One and that's F-O-R-D-I-G-N-I-T-Y the number one dot org Thank you for coming on Flashpoint Absolutely, thank you for having me Next up, getting teens with autism connected I was like, wow, this is something really Good. A Philadelphia Moms nonprofit effort to help kids on the spectrum develop social lives. This is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. We here at KYW are all about community, and April is Autism Awareness Month. According to AutismSociety.org, one in 68 children in America are born with disorders along the autism spectrum. And while they are children, they can find some support in schools. But what happens as they get older? How do teens and young adults with autism connect with each other and society? With me in the studio is Afia Tucker, founder of Awesome Lives Incorporated, a nonprofit that's doing something to build those connections. Welcome to the KYW Studios and to Flashpoint, Afia. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Cherry. My absolute pleasure. So explain for those who've never heard of Awesome Lives what it does for youth who have disorders along the spectrum. Sure. So Awesome Lives is a nonprofit organization. We started as a family support group. I will organize meetups for folks to come in and be able to express any concerns that they have and also meet other families because it's very important to not feel alone while you're going through this journey and even sharing your stories or learning from each other. Always learn something new. So we grew into a nonprofit organization over this last year and we provide opportunities for these teens and young adults adults to come together for social activities and vocational when I can, because it's also great to prepare them for the future as they, you know, transition into adulthood. Because you've been an autism advocate for years for a very big reason that's pretty personal. Could you please explain? Sure. So I am the proud parent of an awesome, amazing 16-year-old son who has autism. Mm -hmm. Autism is just one piece of who he is. So it's very important to me to inform other folks about autism and raise awareness. So as my son gets older and he starts to travel in this world when he's not with me, people may know the signs or be aware of it and know how to deal with him. Yeah. How has it worked out? Because I know you have an event coming up in April. So set the scene. You bring your kid and 
we just have fun for the most part. <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of tricky I'm laughing with because my fun. You're like, <laughs> we just have fun. <laughs> we do. And you know why I emphasize that? Because a lot of these children work really hard. My son has been going to a specialized program since he's been three years old. I had to put my baby on a bus at three. He goes to school in these specific autism programs all year long. He doesn't just go for his general education, then he has extended school year and then whatever other therapy that I introduce him to because of course you always want to push your child to have the best life they can. So I'm a kind of little tricky with my other um agendas as far as kind of teaching them a new skill because I like to make it very, very fun. Whereas though they're not even really they're not realizing I'm still putting them to work a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, we just have fun. We socialize. We recently have a partnership with the Apple store mm-hmm. in our area. And what they had allowed me to do was kick off a three month series. I called Apple and said, listen, I think this would be great for families like mine and explain what autism was and why technology was important to them and how There are some studies that say that technology helped improve the lives of those who are on the autism spectrum. So they allowed me to schedule out a few months to bring a group of families in. We kicked off our first workshop, which was February the 19th. The families came in. Everybody got an iPad to work on. Mm -hmm. And they loved it. And they were in tuned. And I was like, wow, this is something really good and what happens when I have these events is that the parents start to connect and talk and share stories and the children are having fun and you know they're not being reminded that they have autism they're not being told that they have to do this right now they're not on a timer to finish a task they're just enjoying themselves and meeting new people yeah and so then I know in April April 28th you'll be having another event for awesome lives yes we'll be back at the Apple store again and the workshop is going to be activities for educators we're also going to go over things like um, IMAF tutorials podcasting we have added really fun events Chickies and Pete's is partnering with us for a game day. So it's an awesome lies game day at Play 2. So you walk into this other side of Chickies and Pete's. You rent it out for a certain amount of time. But what Chickies and Pete's is doing, they're gifting us a few hours of play and also food and refreshments April the 15th from 12 to 2. That's amazing. And so families can bring their their yes. uh, children, teens and young adults yes. with autism. Come on out. And it's a friendly place for them to meet new people and hang out. Exactly. Yes. So where can people, Afia, find out more information about Awesome Lives? You can email us at awesomelives at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. So like us on Facebook, please, at Awesome Lives, Inc. So I just want to say congratulations to you. Congratulations to Awesome Lives Incorporated on making it to one year. Thank you. Congratulations. And, you know, and kudos for taking an issue impacting you and and spreading goodwill to others and for being on Flashpoint. Thank you, Cherry. If you don't mind me saying one more thing. When my son was diagnosed with autism, the rate was one in 118. Then it was one in 98. Now there's one in 68. The prevalence rate is rising. It's so important. So even though this affects me a lot, it's affecting more people every day. Because just in 16 years. Wow. Wow. So thank you so much. Awesome Lives. That's A-U-S-O-M-E-L-I-V-E-S at gmail.com. Multiple events coming up in April. So please reach out and we'll have more information on KYWnewsradio.com. Thank you so much, Afia, for being here on Flashpoint. Thank you. 
That's it for the Flashpoint Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. Follow KYW News Radio on Twitter and let us know what you think by using the hashtag Flashpoint. You can also follow me at Cherry Gregg. You can subscribe to the show by using the radio.com app, iTunes, or whatever platform you use to get your podcast. If there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. As the late, great Reverend Billy Graham once said, once you've lost your privacy, you realize you've lost an extremely valuable thing. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next week, thanks for listening.